This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. TK. I like this, TK. I like that. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk get the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30. Don't gotta ask him, got Chris Stapps. Coach at the Adam, I spaz like Dallas. Seth thought I'm rapping, God. If Luca shoot the ball, you know that it's cash. But my boy still living the past. Now he got my boy Chris Stapps. Looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fill the gap. On your team head, ain't talk our heads. Dang, go relax, still at a champ. Defense still coming with the calibers. Welcome back to another edition of the Step Back. A Mavs podcast. I'm Dalton Trigg. I'm joined as always by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague Matt Galatson. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the NBA All-Star Weekend. A lot of festivities going on. Uh, we had a lot of Luca. We had a lot of Dirk. Uh, some surprising moments from Dirk there in that All-Star game. Uh, just a, a lot going on. A lot for us to to go over and, and hash out here. Uh, that's what we'll start with here. Matt, uh, let's start with that skills challenge. Uh, remind me who you picked, and then I'll talk about who I picked, and uh, we can go from there. Uh, I think I picked Jokic over Luka in the final. Um, I remember that. I think that's what I did. I mean, they didn't. Neither of them got to the finals, which I was fine with. The skills challenge is kind of the 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 least intriguing of the three. It's it's kind of short and stupid, to be honest. But it, it was the perfect opportunity for uh, Trey Young stands to kind of get their get their voices heard because he got to the finals and he got farther than Luca. Um, but well, I, I don't I don't remember who you picked. Uh, I picked Trey Young. I told I told you that was going to happen. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I I picked him to win it, and even though he didn't win it, he beat Luca in the second round, and that was enough to to put Hawks Twitter into a frenzy. Which, like I said, I just I knew that was going to happen in in some fashion uh, during that event. So it did happen. I picked Trey to win it. He would have won it. Uh, but Jason Tatum got him with a half court shot, which was so pretty. I, I love, I love that. <laughs> that was so awesome. Got the idea from Luca. You know, he he was going up against uh, Kyle Kuzma in the first round of that, and he attempted a half court shot to beat him. He missed, but then he still got the, the three pointer to knock him out in the first round. But yeah, I picked I picked Young. He didn't win it, but he did edge out Luca, which you know. Obviously, the the tray is better than Luca takes. Were starting to fly on Twitter after that. <laughs> well, what was so funny about that was he looked like he didn't really like care one way or the other. He was just kind of like running around having fun, and like like when he tried the half court shot, half court shots. I think he tried that on every single run through, didn't he? He did. He did. He, like yeah. he he was just out there to have fun. He didn't he didn't really care. Yeah, because in the in the second when he went up against Trey in the second round, he was falling behind a little bit, you know, because Trey's a little bit quicker and Luca's and so, kind of thick. <laughs> yeah, and he he tried to make up for it with a half court shot, but yeah, and it it the ball arrived at the rim before Trey's, but he just it didn't go in. But yeah. anyway, yeah, like you said, he Luca he was just there to have fun. He he honestly did not care about going one hundred and ten percent. Like Kyle Kuzma did in the Rising Stars game, he wanted that MVP so bad, and uh, that was another thing. You know, Trey Young, he had, I believe, he had 25 points and 10 assists in that game, and uh, that was another thing that <laughs> that really got Hawks Twitter 
uh, in an uproar. Oh man, like Luca, like uh, did you see the uh, the mic'd up portion, the video of Luca during the skill? Yes, during it the, was incredible. It was so great. <laughs> like he wanted all he he was just having fun. All he wanted to do was go out there and take the tip and like. He was running around like, I'm Fox, I'm Fox, I'm Fox, watch me, I'm Fox, and like throwing the ball around. And he was just like screwing around and having fun like a 19-year-old would. And he still put up like 13, 9, and 6, which is, which is kind of insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, Trey Young is a great player. I think he's going to be excellent in Atlanta. Uh, but, you know, it, it's inevitable Every time these two players are on the court together against each other doing something, there's going to be these comparisons. And I, for the most part, I think Mavs Twitter, the Mavs fan base as a whole, it doesn't have to just be Twitter. That's just where I spend most of my time these days. Uh, but, you know, the Mavs fan base as a whole, I think they've let go of the, the, the Trey Young stuff. I think it's more Atlanta holding on to it than anything else but that's just my opinion well yeah because the mavericks at least for the first half of the first season look like they've won that part of the deal and we're super happy with luca and the the tray the tray caravan is just kind of looking for anything they can to say that they won the deal when in reality it's stupid to say it either way right now because they're 19, 20 years old, whatever, and we won't know who actually won the deal for five or ten years. And then you see people like <clears throat> Yoda on Twitter who just keep like trying to find ways to poke holes in Luca's game and stirring the crowd up, and it's just dumb. Yeah, and we've mentioned Yoda a few times on here. For those of you who don't know who we're talking about, which if... If you're on Mavs Twitter, you do, but uh, his name's Rashad Phillips. He's an Orlando guy. Uh, he has some, I'll, I'll be nice, he has some interesting uh, takes on Luka Doncic and some interesting takes on Trey Young, and he uses a lot of weird hashtags. Anyway, I you should go check it out and form your own opinion on it. But Well, he thinks that Alonzo Trier is a better player than Luka, and he goes on Callum, Colin Cowherd's show, so his opinion's already kind of, you know, terrible <laughs> to begin with. Uh, he, I don't, anyway, it anyway. doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't want to give him any more life than we already have, so let's move on to the next subject. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, the next, the next event. So we, we're 0 for 2 combined, so we neither one of us picked the, the correct winner in the skills challenge. And then uh, the next challenge was the three-point contest. And I picked Seth Curry to win this event. And he was like, I think he was like third from the bottom. He didn't have a, a really good night, but Dirk he was like him. third from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dirk beat him out. Um, for those of you that, that weren't keeping score at home, Dirk had 17 points, which tied Damian Lillard. Uh, Seth Curry had 16, Kimball Walker 15, Chris Middleton 11. Chris Middleton had a Wes Matthews 2017 outing there. I remember Wes. Ugh, he, was he in he that had contest? Bad, he was. I totally forgot that. Yeah, I remember being hyped for that, and then he went out and got 11, and I was just, like, deflated. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings. Wow. <laughs> What a terrible what a, what a terrible pick by the NBA. <laughs> but anyway, so Dirk had himself a respectable outing in the three-point contest and like I said I picked Seth Curry. You Matt, you picked Joe Harris to win it and lo and behold, lo and behold that's what happened. How do you feel about this pick? <laughs> well, like I mentioned in the last pod, um, the Nets are my league pass team. So I've seen them play a few times more than most other teams, obviously besides the Mavericks. Um, and he always struck me as a really good shooter. Uh, I figured, you know, he'd never been in an all-star event before, so I thought he'd be a little motivated. And also we both uh, have a beard, so in solidarity, I, I went with my, my bearded brethren there. <laughs> and I uh, mean... he, he killed it, man. He really did. I, I He did much better than... I, I, I 
I wasn't confident he was going to win. I picked him just for fun, kind of. But I was also it was a little educated. But not, I mean, who really knows in competitions like that? But man, he was good. I was shocked. Well, I mean, listen, listen. I mean, I, I obviously haven't watched the Nets as much this season as you have, but I I knew that Joe Harris was a good three point shooter, and I knew he would probably do well in the contest. But he scored at least twenty six. I know two times. He got to twenty eight um, once, didn't he? I'd have to look it up to see. But the thing that got me, he he went up against Steph Curry in the finals of that contest and I was I was just thinking like okay yeah he he's had a good run tonight but there's I didn't think he would be beating out arguably the best three-point shooter in NBA history but I mean it well it he happened. went he went first didn't he in that in the final uh th- no oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Joe went, Harris did. he went first Joe Harris did and then I I thought Steph was just going to catch up to him, and like once he got to his money ball rack, he was just going to fly past him, and I was going to be like, "Shit!" But he held on, man. I was, I was, I was, I was really surprised, and I was really happy that Steph didn't add another trophy to his million trophies that he has. It's, you know, Joe got something, and he probably feels a lot better about that than any of the other players. Like especially Steph would have winning yeah. that award, so it was cool. And another yeah, thing that I thought was really cool during that event was that Dirk actually made it around the entire thing um, oh, yeah. faster than two, Damian Lillard. Yeah, he had two seconds to spare. I was, I was proud of the big guy. Yeah, he he made it. He wasn't too stiff. Uh, he had an air ball, which wasn't pretty, but you know he got in a pretty good rhythm there, and he looked pretty good. That was that was one of the first moments. Yeah, well, it's really one of the only moments where I've ever doubted that Dirk could do something, you know, because in my mind, I was just thinking, you know, because we've watched him all year, the way he moves and it, the way he's moving in his 21st season. I didn't think he had a chance to make it all the way around, but he did. And then I felt, I felt the shame of doubting the goat and uh, he made it around. He was respectable. He scored 17 points and uh, that wasn't even his best moment of the weekend. It was not. We'll get to that in a yeah. minute, though. But it, that, it was good for Joe Harris. Uh, it was good for the Nets. You like a good underdog story, like you said. It's not like Steph needs any more trophies right now anyway. So that that was a good story, and you nailed it. You called him the dark horse and predicted him to win it. He wasn't the and dark sure horse, man. He, he was the black hole horse. <laughs> 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 Nobody picked him. So, we're going to move on from the three-point contest now to the actual All-Star game. And Dirk, he only played four minutes in this game. And it all came in the first half. But that was some of the best four minutes of Dirk's career that I've, I've personally seen. And Rick Carlisle agrees with me. He said the same thing. He said it was, uh, it was, it was definitely some of the... One of his best moments, really, watching basketball. Uh, Dirk scored nine points. He went three for three, all on very deep threes. Uh, that his teammates had, did a nice job setting him up, setting him up with too. Definitely, yeah. I know. I think D'Angelo Russell screened for him one time. Russell Westbrook screened for him on one. I mean, uh, but I mean, he was letting it rip, and it was like vintage. It, just those four minutes sparked a whole conversation, you know, with me, you, a lot of other people, you know, thinking, hey, maybe Dirk can come back next season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, you know what it kind of reminded me of is, do you ever play with, like, the classic teams on 2K? And Every can, now and then. You can play with, like, the 2000, you know, 2006 Mavericks or 2003 Mavericks or whatever. Um, and there's like those teams with, with Nash and Dirk, like young Dirk, and you could just like hang out on the perimeter with Dirk and just launch threes all day and they always go in. That's what it kind of reminded me of for that. Like he looked like he looked like 2003 young Dirk just like launching and everything going in. And it was so nice. The, yeah, the it only, was vintage. The only crime was that they only let him play four minutes. Like, D-Wade played in the second half. There's no reason Dirk shouldn't have played in the second half. Hell, they might have 
had a better chance of holding on to their lead if he would have kept that shooting stroke up. But he wasn't you know. even hitting it, he wasn't even hitting rim. It, it was all net, and he was a good three four feet out beyond the the three point line too. I mean he was feeling it. Yeah. So I mean I don't I don't know what I don't know if they just thought okay he's a perfect three of three. This would be a good you know a good place to end his last All Star game, and they just want him to stay perfect. Or I, I don't know what the thinking was behind up behind it maybe dirt didn't want to play anymore after that i mean i yeah i i don't know but i agree with you i think they they probably would have ended up winning that game if they kept him in you know keep keep their foot on their throats well i don't know about winning it necessarily i might have that might be a little much but i mean i mean think about it when when (laughs) dirk was in they built they were pretty close to a 20 point lead if not 20 points well i know but eventually it would have caught up with him at least in the fourth quarter when he can't stay in front of anybody but (laughs) i mean i mean it i I think they should have at least let him play in the the third quarter and if he didn't want to that's one thing like i understand not wanting to like i had my moment and really that's what we both wanted for him was for him to have a good moment and you know like I, i talked about the magic johnson moment in the last podcast and that was it wasn't like the same part of the game but it was kind of similar it was just because in that all-star game magic johnson made like a couple of threes in a row and like set his team on fire and that's that's almost exactly what dirk did and i was like all right i've got that i'm happy but then the the, the rest of the time i was bitching on twitter because i I just like put dirk back in you cowards like, you stopped watching. You text me and it was like, text yeah. me if Dirk comes back in the game. Yeah, I was so pissed. Like I, I got so bad that I that I, I turned on uh, True Detective Season 3 and stopped watching in the fourth quarter because I was like, I don't like I don't even want to watch if Dirk's not going to play anymore. Like I was so mad. Well, what made it so awesome is how involved the crowd was in Charlotte because every it started with the first one. You know, he switched the first one and the crowd went nuts. And then not, you know, it wasn't 20 seconds later. It might have been less than that. He swishes another one. And then the crowd gets even louder. And Marv, Marv Albert's just going nuts, you know, with his his vintage call on TNT. It, it was just, it was awesome, man. I'm I'm glad I got to witness that. Uh, it was a it was a great way. I I said on the last one, it was it was going to be hard for him to surpass that moment he had with Steph. Uh, in that last all-star game when he had the alley-oop but i mean he he outdid that this was a great moment yeah uh, i was a great really way to send him it. out i was really yeah. happy about it it was it was it was really all i could have asked for i just wanted i was being selfish because i just wanted more and yeah and I, it is what it is yeah and the thing with me i kind of feel like this could catapult dirk into having a really good rest of this season you know there's 25 games left Uh, he's only played 26 games so far but he's been shooting the ball better lately he was absolutely on fire during that game he did well in the the three-point contest I'm I'm almost wondering if if this is going to give him a a little bit more of an energy boost for these last few games if we're going to see more of that kind of Dirk the rest of this season I sure hope so I wouldn't bet any money on it because obviously there's a lot better defense played in real NBA games than All-Star Weekend, but I would really like to see him start making more of his shots. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how much energy it can give him. I mean, he's he's 41. Um, I'm sure it was great for him to to have those moments and to... Like, it wasn't, it wasn't just, like, the on-the-court stuff either. It was, like... He was also kind of he and Luca were also kind of the stars of the show when it was like um, the stuff they play on the jumbotron during the game, like the the guess that tune and the and the the thing where they were wearing the headphones and trying to guess what each other were saying and all that stuff. And it was overall it was just a really great experience for him. And well, <clears throat> well, and if 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 you think about it, these last twenty five games. If he's if he doesn't even know if this is it for him, you know, because he he kept the door open yet again on All Star Weekend, said he hasn't made a decision yet. He'll reassess it at the end of the year, see how his body feels, if he's still having fun, all that. So I mean, 
let's say he really truly doesn't know if he's going to retire this summer and i i think that's correct i i don't think he's actually made a decision yet so knowing that and you know having that uncertainty there even within his own mind to me i feel like he would have a little bit extra oomph you know these last 25 games because if it is it if this is it then that's all there is you know i mean it's it's just over after the unless they make the playoffs which we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later but you know if they don't this is it for him and i think he's going to just lay it all out there and uh, see where he's at uh, this off season well i think he's going to do that either way um, just because he's so competitive. And I just don't think that... I guess I just can't imagine this being... Like, as much as we hear it on the radio and they try and force the D-Wade and Dirk going out together thing at the All-Star game and all that stuff that makes me want to... Don't you hate that? It makes me want to puke. But, like, just let the guy make the decision on his own and stop trying to force it. I like I I can't sit here and believe that it's his last season unless he is sitting up on the podium and conducting his retirement press conference. Like I just won't believe it because to me <clears throat> even before the All-Star game it kind of seemed like he was get getting back into his rhythm a little bit so to speak. Like he he his body looked like it started moving around a little bit better. He was starting to hit his shots again. He was kind of cuz if you remember last year it took him a while to get into the flow of everything and before he started being as efficient as he was. And he's kind of starting to creep back in that direction now and then the All-Star game performance kind of I guess made that a little bit more noticeable. But now that he's had the All-Star right. break and he'll he'll have these last 25 or so games to go. I think we'll probably be able to tell a little bit as the, the end of the season gets closer. But right now, it's just like it's hard to envision him hanging it up. I, I guess it just makes me sad. I don't know. I just I can't I, I can't picture it in my head that he's going to retire. Well, here here's another thing for you, and I know I think we both agree here that this isn't you know high on Dirk's priority list, but. It is a cool thing to to know he is really close to achieving, but he's 110 points away from passing Wilt Chamberlain and reclaiming the number six spot on the NBA's all-time scoring list. And we did the math before this, and you know he he's got to average 4.4 points. Per game over these last 25 games, he's got to play all 25, average that much. He's averaging 4.7 points on the year, so it's definitely doable. Uh, and like you said, I mean, he's been he's been uh, heating up a little bit lately. Let's let's just take a look. You know, when they played uh, at New York, uh, well, even before that, when they played the Clippers, you know, he scored eight points on three of six shooting. Since that game, he had eight points in that game. A few games later against Toronto, he had seven. Had 14 against the Knicks. Seven the very next night at Detroit. Uh, he's had eight points. <clears throat> eight points against Charlotte. And then against Miami right before the, the All-Star break, he had uh, 12 points on five of 14 shooting. So, I mean, he's he's starting to score more than much more than he did earlier in the season. So that's a good sign. I, I think he'll definitely pass Wilt. I don't know if that'll be a motivation factor for him. Probably not, but it's something that's coming. Uh, maybe not for him personally, but I'll tell you, if he starts to get close in the last like five or so games or whatever, they're going to – at least like the – you know. Uh, Rick Carlisle and everybody's going to be like, all right, we we need to get him this last milestone and send him out. If we're not going to make the playoffs, send him out on some kind of high note. Like, can you imagine if in say his his final game at the American Airlines Center, he's five points away or ten points away from passing Wilt? He will be. They will be 
drawing up plays for him all night long and trying to get him to get that record in in front of the home crowd. And, like, really, if you think about it, anytime you can pass Wilt Chamberlain in the record book, it's like climbing a mountain. (laughs) Is it – look, I almost want it to be more – and say say he's like five points away. I I almost want it to be more than that. So you have you have the potential for a moment like he had an American Airlines Center when he uh, got to thirty thousand points. You know, because he went he went nuts in that first half, and I forgot how many points he needed, but I, he ended up scoring like close to twenty. You know, in that first half, it, it was a, a vintage moment. They were drawing up plays for him. He, even though he's a shell of his former self at this point, he still has the ability to have these magical moments uh, when the opportunity arrives. So I, I, I really hope we get one of those moments, whether it's at AAC or even if it's at, you know, the last game of the year in San Antonio. That that would be pretty cool too. Well, yeah, that's but, that's the thing though. Is like if it happens. I really want to be there. <laughs> so I wanted to be at the American Airlines. I mean, selfishly, but I'm sure everybody wants it to happen at home too. And three, oh, come on. You don't want to, you don't want to take a road trip to San Antonio, dude. No, I'm good. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you're like I, Charles actually, Barkley. You, yeah. you really hate San Antonio that much. One of my buddies is gone, but I'll never step foot in the San Antonio arena unless it's for a playoff game. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but so, Four of the last six games of the season are at the American Airlines Center. So it'll, it'll probably happen in that stretch. Uh, I hope it happens in the first of the the two two games in a row against Memphis, personally. Um, or at least he gets, like, so say he gets within 10 or so there. I really hope they hold him out for the next game against Memphis so he can try and set the record at home. Or if he gets to, like, two points away or something. Because it would mean so much to everybody if he did it at home, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. I think no matter what happens, it's going to be a a really great moment. He's going to get a standing ovation, whether it's at home or not. Uh, And, uh, again, it might not be his last season. So, uh, But I'm just saying, in the event that it is, you want that thing to happen at home. At least I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want as many moments as you can because we're right here towards the end. And like you said, it's a selfish thing, really. You just you want to squeeze out every little drop you can. And good thing for us, there's 25 games left. We're going to get to see a lot of Dirk down the stretch. Uh, and like I said, hopefully what he did d- during that All-Star game is, you know, a good sign for the rest of the season. Maybe – Maybe he'll start picking up that scoring pace and, you know, do something unprecedented for, for somebody in, in their 21st season. So we'll see. Yeah, let's hope so. So now, and we, we've talked about this a little bit over the past few days, but uh, we figured we'd give you guys uh, some of our favorite Dirk stories. Uh we asked everybody on Twitter, you know, what their favorite Dirk story or Dirk moment was. And the consensus, not surprisingly, was, you know, the 2011 championship. Uh, you know, he, he finally got over the hump, and it, it helped that it was against Miami again. D-Wade was involved. Uh, so that was the overwhelming, you know, favorite moment from, you know, the, the answers we got from all of you. Uh, but Matt, uh, what what's a Dirk story you want to tell our listeners about? <clears throat> well, so when I was thinking about this, um, I kind of had two thoughts come into mind. Um, one was, okay, which is my my favorite Dirk game um, over you know over his entire career, the one that sticks out most to me. And it was kind of tough to narrow down, and <clears throat> I thought about you know his a couple of the performances in his playoff run, uh, specifically against Oklahoma City, where he just diced all those all those guys. Um, 
you know, when they had Harden and Westbrook and and KD and um, he just took all of them to school because they were they were there a little they were a little ahead of schedule and he was just kind of there to remind them like, nah, <laughs> nah, guys, this is my year. Like you guys can sit back, you can have the league for the next ten or fifteen years. I'm taking this one, and he just decimated them that entire series. And then there was the thirty thousand point game. Um, I love that. Obviously, I was there, um, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever witnessed. Even watching it as far up as the press box, like it was still cool, and it's something I'm never going to forget. And the ovation that he got, and <clears throat> and all that stuff was just, and even like the the atmosphere just in the press box alone was was awesome. Like you know, everybody tries oh, to be yeah. everybody tries to be professional in those kinds of situations, but in in situ- in that one in particular, considering how long he's been around the franchise and and really how admired he is around the entire NBA in general, it's it's hard it's hard not to get invested and in, in cheer him on in those kind of, in that oh, moment. Yeah. I um, can guarantee you every other Mavs media member was right there along with you. Oh yeah, I was definitely not alone. It was it was cool. Um so those were kind of the, the two the two in game moments that um that came to mind for me. Um, but I also have kind of a personal one and, um, I doubt Dirk even remembers this, but it's still one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in my life. Um, when I first started on this job working for fish and dialsbasketball.com, the first event that I ever covered in person, um, that I was ever credentialed for, cause I, I started, um, in the second half, <laughs> really late in the second half uh, of the Rondo season is when I started this job. So, like, since I've been covering the Mavericks, they haven't been good. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's when it all kind of really started going downhill. Um, that was kind you of... Probably a- think- you're probably thinking, like, what the <laughs> what the heck did I get into? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know that was kind of a band-aid and then it didn't work out, but I wasn't credentialed cause I started so late in the season. And the first thing that I got credentialed for was Dirk's celebrity baseball game. And <clears throat> I was super nervous. I showed up to this thing and, and fish was there, but he was, he was busy running around talking to all the people that he talks to all the time. Cause you know, he, he knows everybody and, um, he was doing some Facebook live thing with skin, I think, or something. I can't remember. And, um, I'm just sitting there, uh, nervous and on, on the field, it's June, it's super hot and I'm sweating and I'm just, you know, my head's going around in circles and everybody starts freaking out and like looking in my direction. I'm like, you know, Oh my God, like, do, do I look like an idiot? Like what's going on? And like, I, I turn around and Dirk's, you know, right in my face, and he bumps into me. It was like when I, when I turned, I bumped right into him, and I, I kind of fell back a little bit. And he like grabbed my shoulder and he he pulled me like back to my feet, kind of. And he was like, he's like, "Hey, man, are you okay?" And I was like, uh, "Yes." <laughs> like, I mean, people have to understand. Like, I I do this job, um, but I grew up a Mavericks fan, and Dirk has been my favorite athlete since I was, you know, since Jordan retired really is when, I mean, it kind of happened perfectly. Like Jordan retired in 98 and then Dirk started playing in 98, 99. And that was kind of the transition. And then he like just pulled me back to my feet and like made sure I was okay. And like introduced himself. He said, hi, I'm Dirk. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I I got, I know, I know. It's nice to meet you. And he was like, all right, we'll see you out there. And then he, and then That's like pretty cool. <laughs> and then 5 seconds later I'm standing 2 feet from Dirk with my microphone in his face for the for the first time for me ever doing anything media related. And it was just like it was for me personally it was one of the coolest experiences ever. It it, it doesn't seem like a lot like on paper, <laughs> but to me personally it meant so much. And well, it it, it was You did a good job portraying it, for sure. Yeah, I mean it, it was just uh <clears throat> it was kind of, it was surreal. And it was just like, I can't believe I'm actually meeting this person. And now I get to see him 
every time I go to the American Airlines Center and every practice that I that I go to, uh, he's he's there and I see him and it's like. But for whatever reason, every time I see him, it's still like, oh, holy shit, that's Dirk. Even with like yeah. with new players like yeah. Luca and everybody, it's not like that. But with Dirk, it's still kind of like, oh, hey, that's that's Dirk. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to you know we can we can have our our media credentials and you know we're uh, we're we're trying to get stories for for DB and you know do all this actual work related stuff. But when it all comes down to it, you know we're we're MFFLs like like the rest of these fans. We grew up watching. Dirk, uh, I mean it. To me, I mean he's always he's been a idol for me for as long as I can remember. Uh, you know, I'll just I'll branch off of what you were just saying. That as far as the you know my favorite Dirk games, it's two that the very it's, it's two games that I was there in person for as a fan. Uh, the very first game that I Mavs game that I attended in person was game five of the 2005 uh, Western Conference Finals or it was 2000 which way it was the year it was well it was 2006 at that point but you know what I mean it was 2005 2006 season Mm -hmm. uh, the the year they went to the finals the first time so you know my my family uh, we have a utility trailer business, family business, and you know we were always traveling out to the Dallas area to pick up loads of trailers on weekends and stuff like that. And we were coming through downtown Dallas, you know, one afternoon or it was getting close to game time. I guess we saw a billboard, and it said that the Mavs were playing the Suns at a certain time, and it was close, getting close to time. So, you know, we ended up going to it. And sure enough, that was the game where Dirk dropped fifty. <laughs> and I was, you know, we were we were sitting in the nosebleeds. You know, we we could we could barely see, but the atmosphere was was incredible. Uh, you know, I'd been watching the Mavs since the the Nash and Finley days, and but that was my first actual game I attended, and it, I, it was just incredible. Like I was already a Dirk fan. I was a super fan after that. It was awesome. And then uh, the second game was uh, game four of the NBA Finals in 2011, which was the the Dirk fever game. I know some people call it a flu game, but, I mean, it was a fever game. But uh, So that, that was fun. It was a low-scoring game. As far as the game itself, it wasn't really that exciting, but – just the storyline and they tied up the series and everything that was that was pretty awesome for me and then lebron and d wade made fun of him and then he proceeded to torch them the next few games after after they made fun of him right (laughs) right unfortunately we couldn't stay for you know the, the game five of that series before heading back home but trust me i was i was fully invested uh, that whole entire city. it was just awesome. It I was livid when I saw LeBron and Wade, you know, made fun of Dirk, saying basically saying that he wasn't really sick when they were, you know, the biggest drama queens in the NBA at the time, which LeBron still kind of is. Shoot, Wade is he's <laughs> he's doing a war, world tour documentary right now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it it was awesome. Uh, so that that's my favorite, my two favorite dirt games. As far as a personal story, and I mean, I've been going down to New Orleans uh, for years, my wife and I, because I mean we live about an hour and a half away from New Orleans, and it's just you know it's easier than driving seven hours out to Dallas. But you know before I started doing uh, credential work and everything. You know, we would just go as fans. They only play in New Orleans two times a year, so we'd save up our money and uh, we'd get some really good seats, you know, uh, close to behind the, the away bench. And, I mean, it was in New Orleans, so it didn't, like, break the bank or anything because, I mean, it's the Pelicans. But but we, we had had some interactions with Dirk over the years and, uh, you know, it got to the point where, 
you know, he recognized us, uh, sitting in the same spot every time. And so at a certain point, you know, my wife was my fiance at the time. We felt comfortable enough, uh, giving him a wedding invitation. So, and we didn't have any expectations for it or anything. My wife thought it would be cool, um, if we just gave him a wedding invitation. So sure enough, we give it to him, um, he he tells us, oh, that's so cool, and when are you getting married, and, you know, just acted like, you know how he is, he's just really nice, and uh, he'll actually strike up a conversation with you and everything, so then he left, went back to the locker room, we didn't expect anything of it, well, about two, three weeks later, my wife sends me a Snapchat, and she got a package in the mail, and it's our it's our wedding invitation, and it says, congrats, all the best, and it's signed by Dirk, just a big Dirk signature at the, at the bottom of it, and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, you have got to be kidding me, this is, this is unreal, because I mean, it was unprompted, that's what makes it so special to us, and so cool, is that we just wanted to give him the invitation. We expected nothing from, you know, he could have gone back in the locker room in New Orleans and just tossed it in the trash or, you know, tossed it in his locker and forgotten about it or something like that. But That's I mean, what most NBA players would have done, probably. I know, and I mean, to think of it, and you're on the road, so he had to have taken it back with him to Dallas, taken the time, sometime in that two-week span, to sit down write a note on it, sign it, and then to send it to the address that was on the, you know, the the return address that was on the invitation or whatever. So, I mean, just a, it was just a really cool moment. We've got that thing framed, of course, you know, it's, it's in our house. Um, I mean, it's, it's just really cool because, I mean, you've got the, the guy that you grew up watching and you've been a, you know, a super fan of forever. And now you're covering him, you know, as a credentialed media member, he basically blessed your marriage. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. So, Um, I mean, that, that, that's, that's my personal moment. I mean, I, again, we just, we weren't expecting it. So that it happened the way it did. I mean, it's just a cool story. If you follow me on Twitter, you've you've heard this story before, and you know you can find that picture on there. But well, I mean, it it, it was mind blowing. Did you uh, did you ever see? I'm sure you have, but uh, the Dirk documentary, the Perfect Shot that he did yes. about Holger, where they yes. have that part um, <clears throat> where he's answering fan mail or whatever with with the lady that he's so close with in the Mavs front office, whose name escapes me right now. Um, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but she, like he's it shocked me when I saw this. He sits down and like with this lady who helps him, and they sit there and like individually answer and go through every piece of mail. And there is so much thought behind each autograph that he that he puts in there. And it's like there, there's you'd be it's impossible to find another NBA player who who does it like that. Like he he cares so much about his fans and nothing about about himself like he just he wants his fans to be happy and he wants to you know make sure they have the best experience possible because he knows that he's you know he's he's blessed with everything that he's had you know with with his contracts in the nba and the position that he's in and he wants to be able to give back to the fans and for him to do things like that is just incredible it really is and i mean there's a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of players in the NBA, you know, that that take a ton of time for their fans and they'll do, you know, similar things here and there, but this is the this is one of the best players in NBA history. You know, I just just to give an example and maybe he does this and it's just not talked about, maybe it's not reported or anything like that, but I just can't see LeBron James you know, taking time out of his season and going to the corporate office and, you know, opening fan mail and signing stuff and, you know, sending it back to fans and stuff. Because, I mean, our our guy Bobby Corrala 
earlier this season. Dirk did it this season, you know, just randomly one of the – it was an off day that they had. Um, you know, Dirk went to the corporate office. He opened up fan mail, signed some stuff. You know, that's just what he did, and it was during the season, and it was on an off day. You know, he could have he could have done anything. I mean, he just – he cares. Like you said, he, he, he really cares about his fans. It shows uh, – that's why uh, most of us have such a emotional attachment to him, and we, you know, we don't want it. We don't want it to end, and it's really special what he has with with his fan base and with the city of Dallas, and it, it's it's going to be sad to see him go. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I don't know it, it. With like you mentioned, LeBron, LeBron would probably just like. I mean, he probably just pours a glass of wine and gets in the limo and like heads up to the arena and sits in the box with Magic for a while and <laughs> hangs out and then and then goes downstairs and and rubs elbows with people and you know really he doesn't have he he might for all I know I don't cover LeBron but he I haven't come across another NBA player who has the same kind of thoughtful nature and, and selflessness that Dirk has on and off the court and like the way he structures his contracts, the way he treats his fans, just literally everything he does is just like model class. Well, and here here's the thing. It's my hope we're off to a good start. It's my hope that Luca is gonna be kind of, you know, the same thing that Dirk has been as far as caring for fans and, you know, going the extra mile and everything. Because, you know, it, it's like earlier this season when uh when the Mavs played at Golden State and he crashed into that kid underneath the basket. And he's been crashing into a lot of people underneath the basket. Yeah, those people year, need seems. to get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> but that one kid in particular, he, he hit him pretty hard. And uh, the kid was crying and everything. And... Uh, you know, he, he really cared, you know, to see, make sure that that, that kid was okay. And then after the game, he takes off his Jersey, signs it for the kid and gives it to him. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff like that. You know, that's Dirk like, in my opinion, uh, you know, I've only been to new Orleans two times since, uh, since <laughs> Luke has been a Maverick, obviously, because, uh, they played both times in December this year, but when we were there, and I was on credential this time, I wasn't there as a fan, but just observing from a distance how he interacted, you know, with with the fans, reaching over the rail, and you know, uh, he 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 waited there and he signed every single autograph that he could, or that he was within reach for, and. Uh, before he went back to the locker room. So, I mean, it's it, to me, it gives me the same Dirk vibes I've been getting for so many years. So I, I think I think we've got another another good one going forward. Well, yeah, and let's not forget the the hundreds of Slovenians or whoever or whatever that came for that stretch of games before the All Star break. After the that last, was so awesome. Yeah, after the last game, they almost ran over me actually when they were pulling out of the parking lot in their vans, and I was walking back to my car. <laughs> And I was like, who the hell are all these people in the vans? And they're, they're oh, that's the Slovenians. But uh, he hung out after the game, after the last game that they played in Dallas for the All-Star break, and just talked to them for like 20 or 30 minutes and just answered their questions and took pictures with them and stuff. Very, very Dirk thing to do. It's going to be a, a good 20 years plus, hopefully, with Luka. Uh, I mean, like I said, it... He's very Dirk-like in the way he approaches his fans, and I think he's gonna he's gonna end up rooting himself in the community eventually, the same way that Dirk has. I don't know how far he's gotten into that so far, because I mean, obviously he he just came over uh, overseas and is still getting used to America and Dallas and everything. Well, but, he's got a mural now, right? <laughs> he's got a mural. Uh, like I said, I don't know how much he's he's started doing as far as community work and everything in Dallas, but I think he's really gonna you know take the torch from from Dirk and you know similar to what Harrison Barnes was doing in Dallas too before he he got traded. But 
yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. It's going to be a good thing for many years to come. Anyway, moving on from that, uh, we'll move on from the, the sentimental stuff before we start cutting onions in here. Uh, <laughs> the Mavs, as mentioned earlier, have 25 games left this season. They are currently five games out of the final playoff spot in the West. The Clippers are 32 and 27. The Mavs are 26 and 31. They're only four games out of that final playoff spot in the loss column. And the thing that gives me hope is they still play the Clippers one more time, so that's a chance to make up a full game. And they play the Sacramento Kings two more times the rest of the season, which is a chance to potentially, you know, gain two full games on them. Uh, And then, obviously, you've got the Kings playing the Warriors tomorrow and uh, the Lakers playing the Rockets tomorrow. So games like that can help you out, too. Uh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are marking the Mavs off right now. They're they're saying there's absolutely no chance that they can make the playoffs, and everybody's looking forward to the draft uh, or the draft lottery to see if we keep our pick or not. But I don't know, Matt. I I'm looking at what's left on the schedule. I'm looking at the the days of rest of what's left on the schedule, and the opportunities that'll be there. I I, I think they have a chance to make a legitimate playoff push in these last 25 games okay i don't (laughs) well Uh, i'm sorry (laughs) i i always enjoy your optimism um it makes me feel better about life Uh, but when i look at the schedule i see matt i gotta tell you it's not easy i know you think (laughs) it's easy it's not easy being this optimistic but i i mean somehow i manage Anyway, there's there's a shirt that that the Ringer makes on their store that says "Irrational Confidence Guy," and, and I <laughs> I want to get it just for you. But uh, you're expect com- that you're, you're my com- birthday is my birthday is coming up in April, so okay. if you want to send well, me that, I will keep that in mind. <laughs> um, but your confidence isn't totally irrational in this situation. It's it's I mean, there's 25 games left. They're basically four games back, um, in the loss column or whatever. But when I look at it, I see four, the first four games out of the gate, um, go, you know, coming back from the All-Star break are against playoff teams. And then they have Memphis, and then they have another playoff team in Brooklyn. And then there's another stretch where they play three playoff teams in a row. And then there's another stretch where they play six in a row. <laughs> So it, it's going to be really tough, like especially this stretch where they have to play at Portland, at Sacramento, at Golden State, Sacramento, at Miami, at Oklahoma City, is going and then Philadelphia is going to be really tough. Um, so that <clears throat> that doesn't give me a lot of hope. And then also there's the the issues that we've been noticing. Um. I'm still a fan of the trade they made, obviously, because, you know, Porzingis. Well, that's that's what I was going to say, too. I mean, I know it seems to be, you know, I've, I've seen people say that, well, the, the team is actually worse after the trade, but it's, you know, the way they're playing is, it seems like they're better. Whatever. To me, I think they're definitely a better team. It was like a addition by subtraction kind of thing when they, when they traded DeAndre and uh, and Wes Matthews, uh, I mean, obviously you miss DeAndre Jordan's rebounding, but you know the that's what the I was going to get are, at was DeAndre is the, it's it's not even necessarily DeAndre, <laughs> it's just the rebounding, like right. I the rebounding has been killing them. And it's going to have look, to be a team effort the rest of the year. And there's there's been time there was there was times after the trade up to the all-star break where they were just getting decimated on the boards and it was killing them. And that's, that's the one spot where like you can really say that they got a little bit of a short end of the trade. I mean, even if it was, if it's, if Porzingis was playing and you had him in there, obviously it'd be a different story, which will be the case next year. But Maxi 
is not a great rebounder. He's a great rim protector. He's not a great rebounder. And he's not <clears throat> he even though he's starting, he's playing like 20, 25 minutes a game. He's not playing real starter minutes. And they miss that kind of big bully body inside, which I thought they were going to go for somebody in the buyout market. Maybe they still will. Um, I don't know who's well, left. but What I was going to say, too, is if you look, after they made that trade with the Knicks, they played the very next night in Detroit, and then uh, they played Cleveland, and then I believe the first game that they had their new guys was against Charlotte. Yes. So they they got their new guys against Charlotte, so they've had one, two, three, four. They've had five games with their new guys. So what, they've probably, before this extended all-star break, what, they probably had five, six practices together? Or is that being generous? Uh, that's probably being a little generous, I would think. I mean, because yeah, I get the... To- I think we both get the emails from Sarah that says, you know, practices, such and such, and it's at this time or whatever. And yeah. I haven't gotten very many of those since the trade. Right. So, I mean, they, they've they got these new players. You've sent out three players, or four players, including Barnes, because that happened during that Charlotte game, the first game they, they uh, yeah. had their new guys. And you've had very little practice time to get these guys up to speed and comfortable and everything. So, I mean, the chemistry is only going to get better, you know, the rest of the season, in my opinion, I I think they'll, they'll play really well with Doncic. Uh, They signed back Mejuri, uh, which is, uh, we've talked about it at at dallasbasketball.com. That was, we can say confidently that uh, the only reason Sala is back is, you know, because of Luca, but they really needed him back because of the, you know, the rebounding issue. And I think he started uh, against Miami. He did. He did. He started against Miami. Uh, He was, you know, a little rusty and obviously he hasn't been playing much this season, but I think that, you know, Measury could get get it going in these last 25 games too. He's got the chemistry with Luca. He also just Uh, plays with so much energy. So much energy. He he blocks so many shots. Um, he doesn't grab as many rebounds as DeAndre did, obviously. But you know he can get you between eight to ten rebounds a game if he gets enough minutes. So I mean he's just a tough player, and I think he'll make up for for that lack of rebounding we've seen since the the Porzingis trade. But partially, right. So I mean I mean I'm not gonna. I'm not going to just be all, you know, rainbows and sunshine here. Uh, it's not likely that the Mavs are going to make the playoffs, but just looking at the schedule, taking into consideration, you know, the lack of practice time that they had, uh, and just knowing that I think Luka's going to be even better down the stretch after having a chance to, you know, rest his legs and, Go to Cancun and you know just lay on the beach a little bit because he he needed to rest. Oh, you know, yeah. His use his usage usage rate has been steadily going up and he needed it more than anybody else. So all all things considered, I can I can really see them making a push here. Well, I mean I agree that the the Luca getting rest thing is probably the most important part of it all because he looked like he was kind of beginning to hit a wall there, um, especially against. Houston and Miami. He still almost put up a triple double in in both games. <laughs> yeah, he's but, still putting up. He was still putting up good numbers. It's just his his shooting percentage wasn't great. Yeah, and you could tell he was getting a little frustrated out there. He just looked tired. And you know when you've had a top ten usage rate over, you know the amount of time that he's had that usage rate, it'll it'll start to wear on you if you've never if you haven't played in the NBA before, especially because I mean, this is, let's be real. This is the hardest league in the world for, it's the best league in the world for a reason. It's the best athletes. You play the hardest on a nightly basis. You know, he did it in Europe and, you know, I know that wasn't against, you know, Duke or UNC or whatever, but that was really tough competition. I mean, I think it's better personally, but, um, I agree, (laughs) 
but you know he doesn't have uh, experience necessarily playing this kind of rugged schedule. And even like the traveling is more difficult um, in the United States and in Spain. So this is all this is all new to him. So to be able to go to the All Star Game and just kind of like or the All Star Weekend and just relax. Have fun, you know. Screw around on the court, you know. I'm fucked, I'm fucked. Do all that stuff, and then, <laughs> um, and then go to Cancun and hang out with his buddies for a couple days or whatever. It, it's it's going to go a long way, I think. <clears throat> it's just it's just the 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 tough schedule down the stretch is considering he doesn't have much on his side other than you know Tim Hardaway Jr. and you know, the other pieces that yeah. they have left after that trade. I do think they're better in most regards. Um, I think they're better defensively. I think they're better shooting. I, I think they're, they have more playmakers on the floor, but it's just, it's just the rebounding gap and, you know, a couple other little things here and there, their, their chemistry obviously isn't as good and that, that'll, that'll get better. But I just don't know if 25 games is enough time to, to make that drastic of a recovery in my opinion, at least. Well, we'll we'll find out soon enough, and it'll start Friday when they take on the the Denver Nuggets and Luca's friend Juan Hernan Gomez, who you know he he went to Cancun with over the All Star break, and he was hanging out with his buddy there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, you know the first game out of the gates. These last twenty-five games, you have to go up against uh, Jokic and uh, you know Paul Millsap and uh, Mason Plum. You know a bunch of big guys on that team that that get a lot of rebounds. So it's going to be tough, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, they have to play Denver twice over that last twenty-five. Yeah, they played at Denver the uh, the first time. They actually played them really well should have won that game in my opinion but yeah that was uh, that was one during that stretch where they lost uh i guess it was let me let's see one two three four five six uh so so after that after after that game they had six games in a row that were decided by four points or less and that that game that game really was um it was closer than eight points like it came down to the very end Right. So that was a really tough stretch for them. Had they gotten a couple more of those, like say against that that OT one against Portland, um, or that that second loss in New Orleans, which really pissed me off, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd feel a lot better about this. But you know, that's just that's kind of the story of the Mavs season is just like the the road losses and the close losses and games they should have had, or if like one thing went the other way, you know. Right. <clears throat> they would have been in a much better position, but that's just where they are right now. Yep, and they'll uh, they'll they'll start things out by playing the second best team in the Western Conference in the Denver Nuggets. But the good thing is they're playing them at home. You know, the Mavs are twenty and nine at home this season, and you know maybe we'll get some some rested Luca magic in that first game and have it snowball from there at least that's my hope but we'll see how it goes and you know we'll come back on here next week and and recap the games the Mavs have played uh, to start out this this final stretch but uh, that'll do it for this episode of the step back uh, we we appreciate you guys uh, coming here and listening to us on a weekly basis can't thank you enough for the support as always, uh, you know, we're on every single major uh, podcast platform. We're on YouTube now. Uh, Matt got us set up on that here recently, so you can check us out there as well. Uh, Matt, anything you want to add? No, just uh, just keep spreading the word. We're, uh, we're, we're doing our best to bring you guys really good content. And um, like we mentioned in the past, we have some... It's pretty interesting guests lined up that we think you'll like, um, so just keep an eye out for that. And uh, you know, now that the All Star Weekend is over and basketball starting up again, we can all stop watching college basketball and start watching good basketball, and um, and we'll start bringing you some good content on DallasBasketball.com as well. So just keep an eye out for that. 
Yep, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, you can find me at Dalton underscore Trig. You can find Matt at Matt Galatson. That's M-A-T-T-G-A-L-A-T-Z-A-N. And uh, if you want to follow the, the podcast itself, uh, you can follow us at Step Back Mavs on Twitter. But again, can't thank you guys enough. You've been great. We've been overwhelmed by all the support. Uh, you guys have a good rest of the week, good weekend. We'll catch you next week and recap everything that's going on with the Mavs. Y'all have a good one. But yeah, I'm the GOAT, this game get cold Yeah, you might need a coach, your friends turn into your foe But I'ma just roll, gotta keep rolling your boat Yeah, I swear I give them hope, I say I'm cleaner than the soap This time of year proves who a really single float for Yeah, real. it's the Mavericks, all about action Don't do no action, no Samuel Jackson Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action Don't do no action, no Samuel Jackson Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic You know, in this game, it's a lot of grit You know what I'm saying, proves who has integrity Late nights, early mornings, but we all want the trophy at the end of the day. And that's the beauty of this game, because at the end of the day, only the real gonna float, man, for real. You either sink or you float, only the real gonna float. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.